Section four of A Far Country by Winston Churchill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book one, chapter four. In and out of my early memories, like a dancing ray of sunlight, flits the spirit of Nancy. I was always fond of her, but in extreme youth I accepted her incense with masculine complacency and took her allegiance for granted never seeking to fathom the nature of the spell i exercised over her naturally other children teased me about her but what was worse with that charming lack of self-consciousness and consideration for what in after life are called the finer feelings they teased her about me before me my presence deterring them not at all i can see them hopping around her in the peter's yard crying out nancy's in love with hugh nancy's in love with hugh a sufficiently thrilling pastime this for nancy could take care of herself i was a bungler beside her when it came to retaliation and not the least of her attractions for me was her capacity for anger fury would be a better term she would fly at them, even as she flew at the head-hunters when the petrel was menaced, and she could run like a deer. Woe to the unfortunate victim she overtook. Masculine strength, exercised apologetically, availed but little, and I have seen Russell Peters and Jean Hollister retire from such encounters humiliated and weeping. She never caught Ralph his methods of torture were more intelligent and subtle than jean's and russell's but she was his equal when it came to a question of tongues i know what's the matter with you ralph hambleton she would say you're jealous an accusation that invariably put him on the defensive you think all the girls are in love with you don't you these scenes i found somewhat embarrassing not so nancy after discomfiting her tormentors or wounding and scattering them she would return to my side in spite of her frankly expressed preference for me she had an elusiveness that made a continual appeal to my imagination she was never obvious or commonplace and long before i began to experience the discomforts and sufferings of youthful love i was fascinated by a nature eloquent with contradictions and inconsistencies she was a tomboy yet her own sex was enhanced rather than overwhelmed by contact with the other and no matter how many trees she climbed she never seemed to lose her daintiness it was innate she could at times be surprisingly demure these impressions of her daintiness and demureness are particularly vivid in a picture my memory has retained of our walking together unattended to susan blackwood's birthday party she must have been about twelve years old it was the first time i had escorted her or any other girl to a party mrs willett had smiled over the proceeding but nancy and i took it most seriously as symbolic of things to come i can see powell street where nancy lived at four o'clock on a mild and cloudy december afternoon the decorous retiring houses nancy on one side of the pavement by the iron fences and i on the other by the tree boxes i can't remember her dress only the exquisite sense of her slimness and daintiness comes back to me of her dark hair in a long braid tied with a red ribbon 
of her slender legs clad in black stockings of shining silk we felt the occasion to be somehow too significant too eloquent for words in silence we climbed the flight of stone steps that led to the blackwood mansion when suddenly the door was opened letting out the sounds of music and revelry mr blackwood's colored butler ned beamed at us hospitably inviting us to enter the brightness within the shades were drawn the carpets were covered with festal canvas the folding doors between the square rooms were flung back the prisms of the big chandeliers flung their light over animated groups of matrons and children mrs watling the mother of the watling twins too young to be present was directing with vivacity the game of king william was king james's son and mrs mcelary was playing the piano now choose you east now choose you west now choose the one you love the best tom peters in a velvet suit and consequently very miserable refused to embrace ethel hollister while the scornful julia lurked in a corner nothing would induce her to enter such a foolish game i experienced a novel discomfiture when ralph kissed nancy afterwards came the feast from which ham durrett in a pink paper cap with streamers was at length forcibly removed by his mother thus early did he betray his love for the flesh-pots it was not until i was sixteen that a player came and touched the keys of my soul and it awoke bewildered at these first tender notes the music quickened tripping in ecstasy to change by subtle phrases into themes of exquisite suffering hitherto unexperienced i knew that i loved nancy with the advent of longer dresses that reached to her shoe-tops a change had come over her the tomboy the willing camp-follower who loved me and was unashamed were gone forever and a mysterious transfigured being neither girl nor woman had magically been evolved could it be possible that she loved me still my complacency had vanished suddenly i had become the aggressor if only i had known how to aggress but in her presence i was seized by an accursed shyness that paralyzed my tongue and the things i had planned to say were left unuttered it was something though i did not realize it to be able to feel like that the time came when i could no longer keep this thing to myself the need of an outlet of a confidant became imperative and i sought out tom peters it was in february i remember because i had ventured with incredible daring to send nancy an elaborate rosy valentine written on the back of it in a handwriting all too thinly disguised was the following verse the triumphant result of much hard thinking in school hours should you of this the sender guess without another sign would you repent and rest content to be his valentine i grew hot and cold by turns when i thought of its possible effects on my chances one of those useless slushy afternoons i took tom for a walk that led us as dusk came on past nancy's house only by painful degrees did i succeed in overcoming my bashfulness but tom when at last i had blurted out the secret was most sympathetic 
although the ailment from which i suffered was as yet outside of the realm of his experience i have used the word ailment advisedly since he evidently put my trouble in the same category with diphtheria or scarlet fever remarking that it was darned hard luck in vain i sought to explain that i did not regard it as such in the least there was suffering i admitted but a degree of bliss none could comprehend who had not felt it he refused to be envious or at least to betray envy yet he was curious asking many questions and i had reason to think before we parted that his admiration for me was increased was it possible that he too didn't love nancy no it was funny but he didn't he failed to see much in girls his tone remained commiserating yet he began to take an interest in the progress of my suit for a time i had no progress to report out of consideration for those members of our weekly dancing class whose parents were episcopalians the meetings were discontinued during lent and to call would have demanded a courage not in me i should have become an object of ridicule among my friends and i would have died rather than face nancy's mother and the members of her household i set about making ingenious plans with a view to encounters that might appear casual nancy's school was dismissed at two so was mine by walking fast i could reach salisbury street near st mary's seminary for young ladies in time to catch her but even then for many days i was doomed to disappointment she was either in company with other girls or else she had taken another route this i surmised led past sophie mcelary's house and i enlisted tom as a confederate he was to make straight for the mcelary's on elm while i followed powell two short blocks away and if nancy went to sophie's and left there alone he was to announce the fact by a preconcerted signal through long and persistent practice he had acquired a whistle shrill enough to wake the dead accomplished by placing a finger of each hand between his teeth a gift that was the envy of his acquaintances and the subject of much discussion as to whether his teeth were peculiar tom insisted that they were it was an added distinction on this occasion he came up behind nancy as she was leaving sophie's gate and immediately sounded the alarm she leaped in the air dropped her school-books and whirled on him tom peters how dare you frighten me so she cried tom regarded her in sudden dismay i-i didn't mean to he said i didn't think you were so near but you must have seen me i wasn't paying much attention he equivocated a remark not calculated to appease her anger why were you doing it i was just practising said tom practising exclaimed nancy scornfully i shouldn't think you needed to practise that any more oh i've done it louder he declared listen she seized his hands snatching them away from his lips at this critical moment i appeared around the corner considerably out of breath my heart beating like a watchman's rattle i tried to feign nonchalance hello tom i said hello nancy what's the matter it's tom he frightened me out of my senses dropping his wrists she gave me a most disconcerting look 
there was in it the suspicion of a smile what are you doing here hugh i heard tom i explained i should think you might have where were you over in another street i answered with deliberate vagueness nancy had suddenly become demure i did not dare to look at her but i had a most uncomfortable notion that she suspected the plot meanwhile we had begun to walk along all three of us tom obviously ill at ease and discomfited lagging a little behind just before we reached the corner i managed to kick him his departure was by no means graceful i've got to go he announced abruptly and turned down the side street we watched his sturdy figure as it receded well of all queer boys said nancy and we walked on again he's my best friend i replied warmly he doesn't seem to care much for your company said nancy oh they have dinner at half-past two i explained aren't you afraid of missing yours hugh she asked wickedly i've got time i'd i'd rather be with you after making which audacious remark i was seized by a spasm of apprehension but nothing happened nancy remained demure she didn't remind me that i had reflected upon tom that's nice of you hugh oh i'm not saying it because it's nice i faltered i'd rather be with you than with anybody this was indeed the acme of daring i couldn't believe i had actually said it but again i received no rebuke instead came a remark that set me palpitating that i treasured for many weeks to come i got a very nice valentine she informed me what was it like i asked thickly oh beautiful all pink lace and and cupids and the picture of a young man and a young woman in a garden was that all oh no there was a verse in the oddest handwriting i wonder who sent it perhaps ralph i hazarded ecstatically ralph couldn't write poetry she replied disdainfully besides it was very good poetry i suggested other possible authors and admirers she rejected them all we reached her gate and i lingered as she looked down at me from the stone steps her eyes shone with a soft light that filled me with radiance and into her voice had come a questioning shy note that thrilled the more because it revealed a new nancy of whom i had not dreamed perhaps i'll meet you again coming from school i said perhaps she answered you'll be late to dinner hugh if you don't go i was late and unable to eat much dinner somewhat to my mother's alarm love had taken away my appetite after dinner when i was wandering aimlessly about the yard tom appeared on the other side of the fence don't ever ask me to do that again he said gloomily i did meet nancy again coming from school not every day but nearly every day at first we pretended that there was no arrangement in this and we both feigned surprise when we encountered one another it was nancy who possessed the courage that i lacked one afternoon she said 
i think i'd better walk with the girls to-morrow hugh i protested but she was firm and after that it was an understood thing that on certain days i should go directly home feeling like an exile sophie mcelary had begun to complain and i gathered that sophie was nancy's confidante the other girls had begun to gossip it was nancy who conceived the brilliant idea the more delightful because she said nothing about it to me of making use of sophie she would leave school with sophie and i waited on the corner near the mcelary house poor sophie she was always of those who piped while others danced in those days she had two straw-coloured pigtails and her plain faithful face is before me as i write she never betrayed to me the excitement that filled her at being the accomplice of our romance gossip raged of course far from being disturbed we used it so to speak as a handle for our love-making which was carried on in an inferential rather than a direct fashion were they saying that we were lovers delightful we laughed at one another in the sunshine at last we achieved the great adventure of a clandestine meeting and went for a walk in the afternoon avoiding the houses of our friends i've forgotten which of us had the boldness to propose it the crocuses and tulips had broken the black mould the flower-beds in the front yards were beginning to blaze with scarlet and yellow the lawns had turned a living green what did we talk about the substance has vanished only the flavour remains one awoke of a morning to the twittering of birds to walk to school amidst delicate lace-like shadows of great trees a-cloud with old gold the buds lay curled like tiny feathers on the pavements suddenly the shade was dense the sunlight white and glaring the odour of lilacs heavy in the air spring in all its fullness had come spring and nancy just so subtly yet with the same seeming suddenness had budded and come to leaf and flower a perfect understanding which nevertheless remained undefined this i had no doubt was my fault and due to the incomprehensible shyness her presence continued to inspire although we did not altogether abandon our secret trysts we began to meet in more natural ways there were garden parties and picnics where we strayed together through the woods and fields pausing to tear off one by one the petals of a daisy she loves me she loves me not i never ventured to kiss her i always thought afterwards i might have done so she had seemed so willing her eyes had shone so expectantly as i sat beside her on the grass nor can i tell why i desired to kiss her save that this was the traditional thing to do to the lady one loved to be sure the very touch of her hand was galvanic paradoxically i saw the human side of her the yielding gentleness that always amazed me yet i never overcame my awe of the divine she was a being sacrosanct whether this idealism were innate or the result of such romances as i had read i cannot say i got indeed an avowal of a sort the weekly dancing classes having begun again on one occasion when she had waltzed twice with jean hollister i protested 
don't be silly hugh she whispered of course i like you better than anyone else you ought to know that we never got to the word love but we knew the feeling one cloud alone flung its shadow across those idyllic days before i was fully aware of it i had drawn very near to the first great junction point of my life my graduation from densmore academy we were to change cars in the language of principal hame well enough for the fortunate ones who were to continue the academic journey which implied a postponement of the serious business of life but month after month of the last term had passed without a hint from my father that i was to change cars again and again i almost succeeded in screwing up my courage to the point of mentioning college to him never quite his manner though kind and calm somehow strengthened my suspicion that i had been judged and found wanting and doomed to business galley slavery i deemed it humdrum prosaic degrading when i thought of it at night i experienced almost a frenzy of self-pity my father couldn't intend to do that just because my monthly reports hadn't always been what he thought they ought to be jean hollister's were no better if as good and he was going to princeton was i hugh parrot to be denied the distinction of being a college man the delights of university existence cruelly separated and set apart from my friends whom i loved held up to the world and especially to nancy willett as good for nothing else the thought was unbearable characteristically i hoped against hope i have mentioned garden parties one of our annual institutions was mrs willett's children's party in may for the willett house had a garden that covered almost a quarter of a block mrs willett loved children the greatest regret of her life being that providence had denied her a large family as far back as my memory goes she had been something of an invalid she had a sweet sad face and delicate hands so thin as to seem almost transparent and she always sat in a chair under the great tree on the lawn smiling at us as we soared to dizzy heights in the swing or played croquet or scurried through the paths and in and out of the latticed summer-house with shrieks of laughter and terror it all ended with a feast at a long table made of sawhorses and boards covered with a white cloth and when the cake was cut there was wild excitement as to who would get the ring and who the thimble we were more decorous or rather more awkward now and the party began with a formal period when the boys gathered in a group and pretended indifference to the girls the girls were cleverer at it and actually achieved the impression that they were indifferent we kept an eye on them uneasily while we talked to be in nancy's presence and not alone with nancy was agonizing and i wondered at a sang-froid beyond my power to achieve accused her of coldness my sufferings being the greater because she seemed more beautiful daintier more irreproachable than i had ever seen her even at that early age she gave evidence of the social gift and it was due to her efforts that we forgot our best clothes and our newly-born self-consciousness when i begged her to slip away with me among the currant bushes she whispered 
i can't you i'm the hostess you know i had gone there in a flutter of anticipation but nothing went right that day there was dancing in the big rooms that looked out on the garden the only girl with whom i cared to dance was nancy and she was busy finding partners for the backward members of both sexes though she was my partner to be sure when it all wound up with the virginia reel on the lawn then at supper to cap the climax of untoward incidents an animated discussion was begun as to the relative merits of the various colleges the girls too taking sides mac willett nancy's cousin was going to yale jean hollister to princeton the ewan boys to our state university while perry blackwood and ralph hambleton and ham durrett were destined for harvard tom peters also though he was not to graduate from the academy for another year i might have known that ralph would have suspected my misery he sat triumphantly next to nancy herself while i had been told off to entertain the faithful sophie noticing my silence he demanded wickedly where are you going hugh harvard i think i answered with as bold a front as i could muster i haven't talked it over with my father yet it was intolerable to admit that i of them all was to be left behind nancy looked at me in surprise she was always downright oh hugh doesn't your father mean to put you in business she exclaimed a hot flush spread over my face even to her i had not betrayed my apprehensions on this painful subject perhaps it was because of this very reason knowing me as she did that she had divined my fate could my father have spoken of it to any one not that i know of i said angrily i wondered if she knew how deeply she had hurt me the others laughed the colour rose in nancy's cheeks and she gave me an appealing almost tearful look but my heart had hardened as soon as supper was over i left the table to wander nursing my wrongs in a far corner of the garden gay shouts and laughter still echoing in my ears i was negligible even my pathetic subterfuge had been detected and cruelly ridiculed by those friends whom i had always loved and sought out and who now were so absorbed in their own prospects and happiness that they cared nothing for mine and nancy i had been betrayed by nancy twilight was coming on i remember glancing down miserably at the new blue suit i had put on so hopefully for the first time that afternoon separating the garden from the street was a high smooth board fence with a little gate in it and i had my hand on the latch when i heard the sound of hurrying steps on the gravel path and a familiar voice calling my name hugh hugh i turned nancy stood before me hugh you're not going yes i am why if you don't know there's no use telling you just because i said your father intended to put you in business oh hugh why are you so foolish and so proud do you suppose that any one that i think any the worse of you yes she had read me she alone had entered into the source of that prevarication the complex feelings from which it sprang but at that moment i could not forgive her for humiliating me i hugged my grievance it was true what i said 
i declared hotly my father has not spoken it is true that i'm going to college because i'll make it true i may not go this year she stood staring in sheer surprise at sight of my sudden quivering passion i think the very intensity of it frightened her and then without more ado i opened the gate and was gone that night though i did not realize it my journey into a far country was begun the misery that followed this incident had one compensating factor although too late to electrify densmore and principal haim with my scholarship i was determined to go to college now somehow some time i would show my father these companions of mine and above all nancy herself the stuff of which i was made compel them sooner or later to admit that they had misjudged me i had been possessed by similar resolutions before though none so strong and they had a way of sinking below the surface of my consciousness only to rise again and again until by sheer pressure they achieved realization yet i might have returned to nancy if something had not occurred which i would have thought unbelievable she began to show a marked preference for ralph hambleton at first i regarded this affair as the most obvious of retaliations she likewise had pride gradually however a feeling of uneasiness crept over me as pretense her performance was altogether too realistic she threw her whole soul into it danced with ralph as often as she had ever danced with me took walks with him deferred to his opinions until in spite of myself i became convinced that the preference was genuine i was a curious mixture of self-confidence and self-depreciation and never had his superiority seemed more patent than now his air of satisfaction was maddening how well i remember his triumph on that hot june morning of our graduation from densmore a triumph he had apparently achieved without labour and which he seemed to despise a fitful breeze blew through the chapel at the top of the building we the graduates sat in two rows next to the platform and behind us the wooden benches nicked by many knives were filled with sisters and mothers and fathers some anxious some proud and some sad so brief a span like that summer's day and youth was gone would the time come when we too should sit by the waters of babylon and sigh for it the world was upside down we read the one hundred and third psalm then principal haim in his long prince albert and a ridiculously inadequate collar that emphasized his scrawny neck reminded us of the sacred associations we had formed of the peculiar responsibilities that rested on us who were the privileged of the city we had crossed to-day he said an invisible threshold some were to go on to higher institutions of learning others i gulped quoting the scriptures he complimented those who had made the most of their opportunities and it was then that he called out impressively the name of ralph forrester hambleton 
summa cum laude suddenly i was seized with passionate vehement regrets at the sound of the applause i might have been the prize scholar instead of ralph if i had only worked if i had only realized what this focusing day of graduation meant i might have been a marked individual with people murmuring words of admiration of speculation concerning the brilliancy of my future when at last my name was called and i rose to receive my diploma it seemed as though my incompetency had been proclaimed to the world that evening i stood in the narrow gallery of the flag-decked gymnasium and watched nancy dancing with ralph i let her go without protest or reproach a mysterious lesion seemed to have taken place i felt astonished and relieved yet i was heavy with sadness my emancipation had been bought at a price something hitherto spontaneous warm and living was withering within me end of section four